Well, good morning, Calvary. This is an unusual morning for us, isn't it? There are many of you that have already joined us for the live stream this morning, and we're, of course, very excited to be able to provide this worship experience, albeit very different for you. Certainly, it's not a good reason that we're gathered in this uh, digital online sort of way, uh, but again, we're so glad that you're here. We want to welcome you to the very first live stream of the Sunday morning worship service at Calvary Baptist Church. We'd love for you to do a couple of things. First, there is a digital guest book. Uh, for those of you who are a part of Calvary, you know that we, uh, we sign a, a hard copy guest book where there's a digital version of that available at our website. So visit that. We'd love to have you be able to sign in. And in addition to that, while you're uh, watching and participating, interacting online with us, there is uh, an option for you to chat throughout the service. Some of you are already doing that. And so if that's an option for you and you'd like to Join in, interact with each other, interact with us. We'll be dropping some things in there throughout the service. Uh, that would be great. We're so I, I also, before we go any further, I just want to thank uh, the, the several people, a small team of people, but, but a team of people that worked very hard between Monday and today to make this uh, service happen. And so they know who they are. I don't want to leave anyone out, and so I'm not going to name them individually. But that team has done a great job in and uh, doing, working really hard and being willing to be here and stepping out of comfort zones and using their skills and, and gifts in a way that they haven't prior to this. And so I wanna thank them for that. And I'm sure you have that same attitude of gratitude uh, for us to be able to do that today. To get started, I'm gonna pray. So I'm gonna invite you to go ahead and bow your heads with us there at home or if you're in a coffee shop, wherever you might be uh, joining with us this morning. So bow your heads with me. And uh, before we get started in worship, we're gonna pray together and ask God to bless our time. Heavenly Father, we need you. We need you always. But sometimes, Lord, in situations like we find ourselves in, the, in, in, in our current um, world, we, it's more, we feel it even more acutely how much we need you. And so tomorrow, this morning, Lord, we come to you. We bow before you. We want to worship you together. We know it's going to be very different, but we ask that your blessing would be upon our time together. We thank you so much for the gift of, in a sense, the gift of technology to allow us to gather in this way. Thank you for the people who have worked hard to make this service possible today. And I pray that God, that as we worship you, that you would be pleased with it and that we would be strengthened in our faith. We thank you so much, God, that we know that we can count on your presence with us. And as we move all throughout the service, we pray that we would be acutely aware of that, that you are here and that you are Lord and that you are with us always. We pray these things in the great name of Jesus. Amen. And uh, I just want to remind you, especially as we're in these, uh, these times of cancellations and changes and information that we need to share with you, please stay connected to all of our social media outlets, uh, whether you prefer Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, whatever it might be. Uh, make sure that you are checking those out so that you can get uh, the information that we need to get to you about changes in schedules and all of that kind of stuff. You can also visit our website, cbcjoy.org. And we want to invite you as well to text uh, CBC Joy to the number 84576. Uh, we know that nearly 100 of you have already done that. It's basically to create kind of a support network as well as an information sharing network. So if you text uh, that CBC Joy to 84576, you will get the latest info in, uh, from us. And again, 
information, cancellations, changes, updates, all of that as well. And then last, just want to remind you, for those of you who uh, are part of the regular Calvary uh, Church family, um, because of the inability for us to, to receive any giving that you might choose to give uh, in person, uh, we encourage you to, to check out our online giving options. You can find those at cbcjoy.org backslash give. And uh, it, as, if you go there, um, all the options will are, are available, made available to you, and you can, uh, it, as always, uh, contact the church office if you have any questions. Excuse me about uh, any questions about any of that. For those of you who are uh, part of the Calvary family, you know that we have been in a series uh, in the Book of Romans, and we were scheduled to wrap that up today. We were going to put the bow on our uh, series of the entire all 16 chapters, handling the last few verses, which is uh, kind of Paul's dox- doxology, his last prayer and praise uh, to the Lord. But we're going to press pause again, as we've done oftentimes over the last two and a half, three years, when we've been studying the book of Romans together. We're going to press pause on that because, of course, we recognize that we are in uh, an unusual situation for us. Uh, Namely, so unusual that we are we have uh, about 10 or 12 people, uh, staff and and volunteers that are here in the auditorium rather than the normal crowd of people that have gathered. You're watching from your home or somewhere else online. And so these are unusual situations as we're dealing uh, with the outbreak, with the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic that's um, all around the world, including in our own community. And so we wanted to, to press pause on that, um, on, that, on that Roman series. We're gonna pick it back up at some point in the future, but we wanted to acknowledge uh, that we are in an, uh, a different place today. Uh, and it's an unusual place and it's a place where um, that, that reminds us that as we go through life, life can be very difficult. Life can be absolutely incredibly uncertain. Life can be painful. And in fact, life at times is just downright scary. We're experiencing that right now. There is a lot of uncertainty. There, there's a lot of things that we don't, that are outside of our control. There are things that we face and there are things that are maybe causing us uh, some anxiety and and that's okay. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later as we get through the talk. And and the one thing that we know about this is that it was not, this is not something that that God uh, didn't understand. God's son, Jesus said this very simply, maybe this is the best, simplest, most concise way of of seeing God acknowledge this reality that that life can be be difficult, oftentimes is, it is uncertain, there is pain in it, and it oftentimes produces fear in us. Jesus said, in this world, in our life, in the human experience, you will, not you might, not you may, not it's a possibility, but you will have trouble. That's what he told his followers. In this world, you're going to have have trouble. It's going to happen. It was, it's a guarantee. So, in the mind of God, it's a guarantee from him to us that as we walk through life, not always, it's not that life is always filled with that, but life is troublesome at times. It's funny, one of my, one of my favorite verses, one of the favorite, thing, my favorite things that Jesus said as he was uh, teaching in what's oftentimes referred to as the Sermon on the Mount, it's uh, uh, kind of Jesus in, in many ways, it's kind of his magnum opus, it's his it's, it's one of the, not that Jesus ever had any bad talks, <laughs> but it's one of his greatest kind of summations of what his ministry is all about. And in that, he was talking about how we didn't have to worry. He was talking about, we didn't have to worry about 
you know, what the, the clothes that we needed, the food that we needed, all those, those basic needs of life. And that, and that we shouldn't do that. In fact, he, he, said, he said, in fact, don't worry about tomorrow. And, and sometimes the way we encourage each other is we'll say things like, don't worry about tomorrow. I'm sure it will what? It's going to improve. It's going to get better. Everything's going to be okay. And you would think, well, Jesus, being the encouraging sort of guy that he was, he would have said something like that. Don't worry about tomorrow. It's going to improve. It's going to get better. You know, the sun's going to come up and you're going to feel better about this situation. You know what he said? Don't worry about tomorrow because guess what? Today's trouble is enough for today. Tomorrow, there's going to be some more trouble. There's going to be some more. Remember, what did he say? In this world, you will have trouble. So he's saying, don't focus on so much the future and, and, and try to figure out of what, what's going to be next and what do I do and how do I handle all of this? You've got to just live in the moment and recognize that what we're living in, this troublesome situation in which we find ourselves right now, it's enough for today. <laughs> and so we're day by day by day, not trying to make it a cliche, take it one day at a time, not, not offering something simple and easy in that regard, but acknowledging the fact that sometimes what we're facing in our now is enough. And it's, it's, it's almost at times can feel more than enough as we're walking through it. So life, it is. It is difficult. It can be painful. It, there is a lot of uncertainty about it. And, and again, it can be scary. God knows this, but we also know this about God. Our God is Lord of all. None of this is catching God by surprise. This is not like God woke up one day and said, oh man, what, what is happening in, in the Wuhan province of China? Oh my goodness, what, what's going on? Oh wow, it's in Italy and every, everywhere else and in the States and all around the world and all of this. This is not something that is catching God by surprise. This is a, maybe one of the things that tests our faith the greatest in all of these things as we're facing these difficult times is can we recognize that this is truth, that, that God really is Lord of all. Even though the world at times is painful and broken and tragic and there are all sorts of miscarriages of justice and bad things that occur and unfortunate circumstances that affect lives of all sorts of people in every part of the world, Scripture says God is Lord. He is master. He is in control of it all. One verse that exhibits that in Scripture is spoken by the prophet Isaiah when he says, I declare, and these are, the, these are actually the words of, of the Lord spoken through the prophet. I declared, God says, I declare the end from the beginning and from long ago what is not yet done, saying my plan will take place and I will do my will. There's a basic acknowledgement there that God is in control. But that, that can sound, in times like this, right, it can sound a bit cold and harsh. It's, it's not that it's not true, but it's not complete. Yes, God is in control, but it, it doesn't just stop there because not only is God is in control, but he is very present with us in this struggle. He is present in this. In this. In fact, one of the names for Jesus that is spoken in the New Testament for how he would be referred to, who he would be called, is Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. God, you see, God doesn't remove, God isn't distant from our pain. 
God doesn't step back from us in times of tragedy. God doesn't remove himself from us as we're walking through difficult times, but instead God draws near to us. That's the story of what's known as the incarnation. That's the story of God becoming human, of God, of Jesus coming onto the scene, being born as a human, being fully God and fully human. That's the story is God embracing this painful, difficult, murky, sometimes horrific, tragic reality that is the human experience. He stepped into all of it. I heard a story recently, actually it was a, I was watching a video. And in the video, the, the guy who was doing the talk was talking about one of the most unusual uh, communion experiences that he had ever had. And he was at like a conference for like church leaders and pastors and stuff. And they said that they're, they're gonna be taking communion together and that to meet at this church um, at, this, at this certain time. And then, and then we, you know, you get more information there. And when he got there, he said it was like kind of weird it was like the auditorium was, was, was pretty much empty and that kind of everything was pushed back except where there was this enormous pile of garbage in the middle of the room. And he's like, and the thing is, it was not like just like a bunch of paper and clothing and a bunch of like fake garbage. It was real garbage. Like there was liquid oozing out of the backs. Food, it was nasty. It was terrible. And to make the long story short, what he said is what happened in that time of, of taking communion together with all those followers of Jesus, those leaders, in fact, in the church. So what happened was the leader stepped into the garbage and reached down into it, pulled out a bottle of wine, thankfully <laughs> wrapped up in a plastic bag, <laughs> And he also pulled out, reached in and pulled out a loaf of bread, also wrapped, thankfully, the guy says, in some plastic. And as he did that, he said, when you eat this bread and you drink this cup, what I want you to do, drink from this cup, what I want you to do is I want you to step in to this garbage. Literally feel it between your toes. I know it sounds terribly gross. And I want you to remember that that's exactly what God did when Jesus came into the world. He stepped into our garbage. He stepped into the mess. God is not removed from us. He's not this distant sort of like almighty. But he is Yes, the Almighty, the one who is in control, the one who is sovereign. Yes, he is Lord of all, but he is a Lord who embraces the murk, the mess, the garbage of our lives. So as he does that, he becomes the one who is able to comfort us in all of our trouble. The Bible says about Jesus that he had the full human experience he experienced everything that we do, the temptations that we have, the pain that we feel. We see Jesus experiencing that full emotional gamut. And so it's not a God, again, it's not a distant God, but it's a God who is with us, Emmanuel, God with us. And he's the one then who brings us comfort in all of our trouble. 
Jesus, in fact, reminds his followers after he's been killed, he's been raised to new life. He spent 40 days in his resurrected body, teaching them a little bit more. And then right before he was to ascend back to the Father, he said to them, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And he is with us in this, family. He's with us in this, friends. He's with you. He comes alongside you to be next to you. Next to all of us. Because he desperately loves us. That's why he gave us his son. That's why he provides us his comfort. So yes, is life difficult? Absolutely. Is God in control? We affirm that. Yes, with our hearts, with our minds. We also take great, what is it, encouragement in the reality that he is present with us in this, not separate from, separate from us. Pain, though, struggle, heartache, tragedy, sickness, even death. It doesn't have, the ha- have to have the last word. In fact, it won't have the last word because there is hope beyond the struggle. There's hope beyond the pain. Uh, Paul says, as he writes to the, to the church in Corinth, that if we only have hope for this life, <laughs> if we only have hope for, for this part of our lives, to, then we, we should be pitied. There's got to be something beyond the struggle. Yes, we get, we get God's presence in the midst of the struggle, but I would suggest to you that another faith step that we must take is to recognize that there's hope beyond the struggle. Jesus said to his followers again, in the same way that he, that he said to them that they were going to have pain, that they were going to have struggle, that it was going to be difficult. He said to them in, in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. That verse that we looked at earlier, that little phrase, that, that one sentence, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. And so we don't only live in this human reality, but, be, but because Jesus overcame death, because Jesus overcame sin, because Jesus was raised to new life, we have the hope for a new reality. And we also have hope even in the midst of the struggle because we know uh, our identity in Christ can never be changed. For those of us who have received Jesus our Savior, no struggle, no pain, nothing at all, not even death itself can separate us, the Bible says, from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we have hope for those of us who have faith in Christ. We have hope beyond the struggle. Jesus reminds us in that, of that truth in John 16 when he says, I have overcome the world. So we can, it doesn't mean we don't fully engage with the, the, the pain that we're experiencing in this world, but we recognize that that's not the end for those of us who believe in Jesus. So I would suggest to you that what we do then in times like these, whether it's, because we recognize that most likely at some point, the pandemic will end. But that doesn't mean pain's gone forever. That doesn't mean struggle's not going to come in another form. And doesn't, doesn't mean there's not going to be something else because before COVID-19 was on the scene, and I would suggest to you after COVID-19 is on the scene, there's going to be other things. And so in this 
in this time where, yes, we, we acknowledge that it's difficult, where we, where we trust in God's sovereignty, where we, we appreciate so much that he engages with us, he walks into us and is present with us in the garbage of life, where we recognize there's hope beyond the pain. As we deal with struggle, as we deal with pain, as we deal with difficult times, I would suggest to you that it's all about our perspective. We can look at pain and struggle and disease as one big pain in our backside. That's one way to look at it. And I understand that's sometimes what it feels like. Why is this happening? What, what's the purpose of it? And, and for, for some of those questions, uh, my best answer is, I don't know. I don't have the, the perfect answer to meet all of those uh, questions adequately. But I do know this, that as, pain, as we do experience pain, it doesn't only serve as something that is only painful, but it's also an opportunity. And I would like to remind you that in pain, in struggle, in hard times, I believe we're called to, in, in one sense, to seize this opportunity. Excuse me, seize this opportunity. Seize the opportunity to, to do what? Well, remember what we said earlier, that God is in control? We have to grow in our faith to trust in that to trust in him more fully. You know, since this whole uh, disease outbreak has been going down, and not only now, but in other times of, of kind of like national or international uh, things that are, that are troublesome, you oftentimes on Christian, in, Christian, in emails from Christians or on, on their Facebook posts or in their, in their Instagram story or whatever it might be, they will oftentimes list the verse from 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 7. In there, Paul writes and says and reminds Timothy that God did not give us a spirit of fear or some, some translations, timidity. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. That word uh, translated in our English Bible's fear, it, it means timidity or cowardice or fear. And oftentimes, we, it, that's just kind of thrown out there almost as if to say, if you're afraid right now, you must not have very strong faith. And I, I think that's a misrepresentation of what Scripture actually teaches. It is true that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but it is not true that we're never afraid. We are afraid. In fact, in that same book, the Bible, another follower of God's, uh, David says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. You see, to kind of say, uh, I'm and, and some of might legitimately say, I, I, I don't have fear. But for those of you who are feeling anxious, for those of you who have a bit of worry in your heart right now, for those of you who are wondering, I have a wife who wor who's, a, uh, who's an RN, and she works in a hospital, and there are patients in that hospital who are coronavirus patients. Is there some anxiety in her heart about that? Absolutely. There's no shame in that. The reality is we do have things that cause us fear. And when we have fear, we should be reminded that we can put our trust in him. Not deny that it exists, but embrace God at a very deep level to trust in him and know that he's the one who holds your future. God's son, Jesus said that same thing in John 14. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. 
Trust also in me. Trust in him. So this difficult time is an opportunity for us to put our trust in him. It's also an opportunity for us to grow in our faith. Many of you who have been walking with Jesus for a while know that when times are good, often those aren't the times that we find ourselves growing spiritually. (laughs) Sometimes it's when the doctor says to us, I'm sorry, I I have some bad news. Or when the boss says to us, I'm sorry, but it's just not working out. Or the good friend or the spouse or someone else says, I'm sorry, I just don't want to be in relationship with you anymore. Many of you know that when there are difficult times, that's an opportunity for us to grow in our faith. That's oftentimes how we best grow is when we face difficult times, we wouldn't choose those things, but they do turbocharge our spiritual growth because we learn more and more and more, not to rely on ourselves, but to rely on God. That's why there's this unusual verse in the book of James chapter one, verse two. And James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. What? It makes no sense. Consider it joy? Be excited about it? Get happy because I'm going through a trial? Get happy because I'm facing uncertainty? Why would, that, why would I be able to do that? Because if I've got the right perspective, and James reminds us of the perspective we're to have, he says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. It goes on to say in that, in the, in that chapter, right after that in verse three, he says, or I'm sorry, in verse four, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The testing of your faith develops perseverance and it must must finish its work so you may be mature, so that you may grow up in the faith. In the book right next to to James, a couple couple, uh, books over uh, in 1 Peter chapter 1, that same kind of theme comes out. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter is is, uh, offering praise up to, to God. He says in verse three of that chapter one of first Peter, he says, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. He talks a little bit more about that. And then it jumped down just a couple of verses to verse six. He says, in this, you greatly rejoice. You greatly rejoice in this amazing gift that, that, that God the father has given you for which he's offering up praise uh, to him for that. He says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come, the trials have come, so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Our faith is deepened in the struggle. And so this is an opportunity for all of us who are followers of Jesus, to grow in our faith. It's also an opportunity for us to be there for one another, to care for one another, to encourage one another, to love one another, to offer that word of encouragement, to provide practical help for someone who might need it. We don't know, again, with, the, with what's going on in our, in our world today, we don't know what the 
We don't know what tomorrow looks like. We don't know what the next week's going to look like. But we do know that we are going to need each other. God gives us the comfort. I referred to that, uh, that verse from 2 Corinthians earlier in the talk. God gives us, he is the one who comforts us in all of our struggles. And, he, and, and the, that verse continues uh, in this manner. It says, so, that, so we receive it first from God so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So the reason, in fact, that God is comforting us is so that we might comfort others out of the overflow of the comfort that he is giving to us. We see a need and we meet it. We reach out to one another. We stay connected. We are there for one another. We recognize that we need each other because, again, we're struggling through this together. God doesn't want us to go through it alone. He himself is with us. But it's also incredibly wonderful to have the gift of the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, so that we can walk together through these difficult times. Now, we're going to have to probably get creative about that <laughs> because we may not have our normal ways to connect and gather. It might look different in the way that we stay connected to one another, but we don't disconnect. We don't try to go it alone. Many of you have fam a family support system, and that's great. But we also recognize that even beyond that, that nuclear family, that we need each other in these times. So we need to stay connected. It's an opportunity for us to be there for one another. The last thing is, as we go through difficult times, I would say it's a great opportunity for us to show God's love. Pain is universal. We're experiencing it as followers of Jesus. Everyone is experiencing it. That same kind of anxiety and that same kind of struggle right now. We're all experiencing it. And we have this incredible opportunity to be something that Jesus calls in, in that same message, that Sermon on the Mount, one chapter earlier than, than where I uh, looked at a few minutes ago in Matthew chapter 5. We have this incredible opportunity to be what Jesus calls salt and light to the world. He says in verse 13 of chapter 5 of Matthew, you are the salt of the earth, referring to his followers. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. In a very simple, concise way, Jesus said it this way. He said, the first commandment, the greatest commandment, was to love God with everything that we have, all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second commandment, when he was asked what the greatest two were, so the second commandment was this, love your neighbor as yourself. <clears throat> we have this great opportunity as the people of God to exhibit grace, compassion, love, kindness, care, and concern to a world that's feeling uncertain, anxious, maybe angry, disappointed, some in fact experiencing 
grief at the loss of a loved one. We have the opportunity to love, to shine our light out, to allow the love of God to flow through us, to meet people's practical needs. What are those going to look like? Again, we don't know. We were texting among the ministry staff recently, and one of the ministry staff's children lives in the, in the Seattle area, and, and she was talking about how one of the greatest needs right now is because of that medical personnel are overwhelmed and, and working you know, extra hours that there's a need for childcare for these, for these medical workers because of the fact that many of the places that their children would go, childcare centers or schools are now not meeting. And so how do we, in some way, again, we don't know, how could we creatively think about meeting needs like that in our own community? How do we show God's love to people Again, in this time, not only being insular and worried about ourselves, are we going to take precautions as it relates to our hygiene and all of that? Are we taking precautions as it relates to those public gatherings? Yes, absolutely. We're going to do all of that. But it's never healthy to only look in. We must at the same time use this as an opportunity to reach out to the love of Jesus. Again, that's exactly what God did when he stepped in to the garbage of life. And so may we do the same, exhibiting his love to the world in the same way that God exhibited his love for us in that he gave us his son who died for us. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much we, as I said at the beginning of the service, we need you. We are thankful that you're not a God who's removed from us. You're not distant and aloof and unable to be reached. But instead, Lord, you reach to us. And we sense your presence, Lord, right now in the midst of all of our anxiety and fear and doubt and struggle, we know that you're here. Help us, Lord, to see this time as not just pain alone, but also opportunity. Allow those things not to just kind of be like, you know, kind of like positive, like church speak, God, Christian speak. <laughs> words that, you know, a mantra that we got to repeat until we believe it. But God, help us instead to, to embrace that at a heart level so that we truly do begin to trust in you more, to grow in our faith, to connect with each other as, as fellow Jesus followers, even at a deeper level, and to share the love of God to a world that so desperately needs it. Thank you, God, for the gift of your word. We pray that we wouldn't only have some more information in our minds right now, but we pray that we'd be making decisions to live what we've learned and to honor, bring you honor and glory in doing just that. We pray those things in the name of Jesus. Amen.